0: I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. Today is the second episode with political writer and author Bonnie Christian. We talk about her new book, A Flexible Faith, what it means to follow Jesus today. A Flexible Faith is a project aiming to create a theology of dialogue. Bonnie surveys the history of the Christian tradition. To show how Christians have responded to life's questions theologically. She presents topics from atonement theory, to should Christians vote, to women's equality, and other various responses and discussion questions to help folks engage with one another. Also, throughout the chapters, Bonnie includes brief interviews with Christians from varied traditions, such as Anabaptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Womanist, Liberationist, and many more. We discussed what sparked Bonnie's interest in this project and how it has shaped her theology. Thanks for joining us this week, y'all. Here's Bonnie. So it's called A Flexible Faith, Rethinking What It Means to Follow Jesus Today. And you've got your foreword here by Gregory Boyd, who you were talking about earlier seems like a good dude. Anyone to get in an argument with John Piper, I'm probably be a fan of. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so let's talk about the book. Um, What drove you to write about it? And why don't we, why don't we start there and what, what inspired you to put this together? Sure. Um,
1: Well, so first I sometimes think it's helpful to begin with just like a rough description of. Um, yeah. Yes. So people know what we're talking about. Um, so the bulk of the book, I think it's like 17 chapters, um, are all, they start with a question, um, like a, a question in theology. So for example, um, what does it mean to say the Bible is God's word? Um, does being a Christian, make you stop sinning? Why do we have to be baptized? Can Christians be wealthy? These sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for every chapter, I offer super short, super accessible, and readable um, explanations of, usually it's like three to four options that the uh, Orthodox, Little O Orthodox Church has historically given. Um And sort of run through those, explain, you know, their their basic points, Um, and then I include a historical profile, again, super short, of a a relevant figure from church history, and then close with discussion questions on that topic, um, and a list of things to read more with resources dating from the patristic era to today. And then in between, and and totally separate from those chapters, um, there's like, I think you want to say... 18, I don't remember, um, brief profiles that are like little question and answer, um, interviews with people who are living out their faith in unusual ways. Um, and so that's, for example, like there's a Benedictine nun, there's a a messianic Jew, there's uh, some people who, um, converted to become Amish. Um, there's a liberation theologian, all sorts of people that you might not meet even after, like a lifetime in church, um, but that are, you know, important parts of the church universal and and people we can learn from in key ways. So uh, two sort of main things that drove me to, to want to write this book and they're really sort of main audiences, if you will. Um, So one would be Christians who are like good with their church, good with their church context, you know, they're happy there, whatever. Um, but maybe they don't really know much about what other Christians believe and why they believe it, um, and how it relates to, to what we believe. Um, and that, I think that, that ignorance, you know, certainly not ill intentioned by any means, um, but that ignorance makes it really difficult to work across denominational lines because we start to, to view each other with, with suspicion, with distrust. We start to say, um, even unconsciously, you know, are these people really Christians? Is it, is it safe for me to work with them, you know, at the soup kitchen or whatever the case may be? Um, and so uh, the, the first audience and motivation was just to sort of help people become better acquainted with the church um, at a more universal scale as opposed to just the one or maybe two traditions that, that we're personally familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, the second audience motivation, and perhaps this may be the the bigger one, um, was there have been a lot of books, um, memoirs, I think for instance, of like Sarah Bessie's out of sorts or or Rachel Held Evans, um, Mm -hmm. evolving, evolving in monkey town. It has a new title now, um, that sort of explore like the, the experience of going through a season of. Of doubt or questioning or deconstruction about your faith. Um, mm-hmm. and I think those are great and serve an important purpose. And you know if you're going through that experience, it, it can be super helpful to have like a memoir that helps you process that and go through goes through it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to do was write a book that says like, all right, you've had this experience of deconstruction. Um, you've processed that. Now what would be like a practical help to help you begin to rebuild, to reconstruct? Um, And so I wanted to offer like a a super practical guide that says like, all right, so the the theology that you grew up with or or converted into, um, you have real problems with that now. Well, there are other answers in Christianity. Christians have thought different things on this subject. And so let's talk about what those are. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, Why I love it. That's why I love the book so much is that it, it really offers a huge array of different perspectives, like you said, that Christians have been thinking about for millennia. And I think people forget. They think, you know, that their way, whatever that is, is truth and it's the only way and that's it. But you really demystify that and say, look at all this, look at all these different denominations and what they're doing and throughout history. Right. Um, and I feel like to me, I always think we do violence to our faith, to the tradition. If we don't consider all these other conversations and things going on, and make our way the only way. Um.
1: And it's really isolating, I think, if you don't realize that, you know, the questions that you're asking have been
0: asked before.
1: You know, there are maybe one or two debates that I cover in the book that are are substantially newer. Um, and sure. I think uh, gay marriage is probably the, the most obvious of that. Like, that hasn't been discussed to the same extent that we're talking sure. about it now throughout all church history. But but the vast majority of them, these are things that people have been thinking about and arguing over for centuries. And like, why try to go it alone and figure it out yourself when you can see what all these other like learned people,
0: um, and faithful people have, have thought about it and proposed in the past. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think like you said, it's a more constructive, um, approach. And it's, I think in the prologue, um, you know, Greg Boyd talked about this being, um, how did he a project of theology of dialogue over a theology of dogmatism, which I really appreciate, um, that language. Cause I think that's what you're trying to do is, is start at people talking about these, you lay out, here's, you know, for instance, your chapter on women, here's three different ways the church has talked about women in the church. Here's the different views, um, and here's a bunch of questions. Now go talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I hope people, I mean, I wrote it, the part of the reason why the the discussions of each viewpoint are so short is because my hope is that people, certainly you can read it by yourself, and that's good and fine, but my hope is that it would be used in um, more, like, small group and educational context where there will be that discussion um, after and, and really, like, working through in a, in a communal context these different viewpoints and figuring out What's consistent with what else we believe, and you know what, um, what is something that maybe we find appealing or convenient, um, but we you know know that that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these are are questions that are, are best discussed with like the accountability of having other people in the room with you, not just talking to yourself about it.
0: Right, right, and one of the things I think. I am going to use this book for personally is, um, my pub theology gatherings I do at my church, um, and a couple other churches. Um, like I'm going to use this in a couple weeks and pick one of these things and use your questions and lay it out and use a couple, you know, things that you point out. Cause I think that's, like you said, that's what you're hoping this gets used for. But I, I think it'll be really cool in a pub theology setting. Um, to, to just be able to pick this up. Cause a lot of the work I do with pub theology, I do all the research myself and I mm-hmm. put together different things and look up and as a theologian. Obviously I know how to do that and I, I enjoy doing that, but but it takes time. <laughs> it, does, it does. It takes a lot of time. So I love, that's the first thing I thought when I picked up your book, I'm like, Oh my God, you have all these great theological questions. Like you said, age old questions, but we're still working them out. Um, and now I can just pick this up and be like, Oh, should Christians vote? All right. Here are the options. Let me, I'll, I'll talk about those to my group and then you've got these questions all laid out and I don't even have to think of cool questions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Yes. Um, I aim to please. I wanted to ask you about um, the beginning of the book. You kind of preface it and lay out your um, maybe your method of which you're going into this project uh, thinking about the concentric circle that I thought was really, really helpful. And I wanted you to explain that a little bit. And I think that'll be, that helps kind of people understand your project. Sure.
1: Um, So that idea is not unique to me Um, that I, I learned about it from Boyd. um, I forget if it was his books or sermons or something. Um, And I, I don't actually know if he originated or not, but the idea is essentially like if you imagine concentric circles, like a target logo, um, as a way of thinking about and differentiating between theological issues of, of like varying degrees of importance and implication. Um, so at the center of the logo, um, at the center of the circle, is Jesus. And that's like the person of Jesus, not just our, our beliefs about him. Um, the first circle um, going out from that is what we could call dogma. And that's like super basic beliefs about who God is and what He does and wants in relationship to us, and so something like the Apostles' Creed would be a good example of dogma um, of just like super basic things that all small O Orthodox Christians can agree upon. Um, of course, if you're you know non creedal, you just have to agree with the content rather than <laughs> accepting the creed. Um, but yeah, basically, that, that very, um, very core stuff. Um, but the Apostles' Creed really doesn't explain. A lot of things, Um, and so the next circle is what we could call doctrine, Um, and this is—it's important questions. This is the sort of thing that's going to divide denominations. Um, So things like uh, how should we do baptism would be a a doctrinal question, probably, um, or uh, predestination—does God choose who's saved? Um, So, and then—and that's like the bulk of what I'm I'm discussing in, in the book here. None of, none of the things I'm discussing are dogma level because Christians don't really disagree about that stuff and, and stay mm-hmm. Christians. Um, and then the outermost circle, we could just call opinions. And that's the sort of thing where um, you can have disagreements about that within the same denomination, maybe within the same congregation. Um, things like the age of the earth. Um, will there be animals in heaven? And what goes in each category, I think, is up for debate as well. Um, and it may even change over time. I mean, I right. think about um, several hundred years ago, people are getting burnt at the stake because of, like, infant versus adult baptism. And now it's like, uh, you know, we, we have opinions on it, and they're important, and they matter, but, like, a lot of adult baptism churches won't even make you get re-baptized if you want to join, as long as you were baptized as a child, and you want that to just sort of count. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I think what we place in each category will change over time. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly some constants, but, um, but the, the, the core being Jesus and then and that very basic stuff of dogma that, that won't change.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I just think it's so helpful because, and you mentioned this in the book, especially regarding like gay marriage or divorce. It's like, churches are splitting over that right now, the gay marriage thing in particular. Um, and you know, my question is why I was saying in regards to gay marriage right now, being the thing that's separating churches or just human sexuality. Um, it makes me sad that we're separating because of something that I see is so far outside of what really matters about the Christian faith, which you say is Jesus and what we believe about, about God and Jesus. Right. Um, and I know that's nothing new for Christian churches to get pissed off at each other. And you know,
1: <laughs> I maybe. mean, in, in the 90s, we were splitting over hymns and praise choruses. Right. Like, <laughs> it's just... Um, yeah, no, and I think that's a an interesting one right now. Um, because so many churches are splitting, and yet, if you go outside of, like, the Western world, it's not even a debate. Like, they're not having this conversation in the vast majority of like the global South churches like Asia, Africa, Latin America, this is not much of an issue there. Um, They're all tend to be pretty, pretty traditional on this subject. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously it matters. It matters a lot. um, But I think it does help to sort of zoom out and get the perspective of like over history around the world right now, people were not splitting churches over this. Um, and so like, yes, we should have this, this discussion and this debate, but, um, you know, I think looking back on it in a hundred or 200 or 500 years, it's, it's going to, a lot of the, the, the bitterness um, and, and recriminations that we're having right now over this are going to seem very strange. And people are going to say, you know, how, how did they think it was okay to talk to each other like this over this question?
0: Right, right. I think that's that's definitely a helpful mm-hmm. mindset, kind of that metaphor of you can't see the forest through the trees. yeah, um, And I think that's what the book helps do is kind of give you a little more of a bird's eye view over history and time um, to give a little more perspective of like, okay, do we, do we really want to get this upset about this? Um, and what's a more productive way to have dialogue, right, instead of just this way or no way. And like you've, I think, proven in the book, there's never just been one way. Um, so why don't we just have a conversation as, as fellow brothers and sisters in the church and talk, talk about it with one another and see what, what's going on. Um, so I, I like that very much about the, the circle that I think is super helpful. Um,
1: yeah, it certainly helps a lot of how I think about theology personally just in terms of you know if I find myself getting super worked up and like wanting to pronounce somebody a heretic over <laughs> some <laughs> some issue to take a step back and be like all right what level what circle should this go in and then you know even if it is you know closer to the center like distinguish like stop to distinguish between is this providing me remotely any basis to, to suspect or say, especially say, you know, this person who disagrees with me can't be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, 99.9% of the time, the answer is no, it's, it does not justify Mm -hmm. that for me at all. So Mm -hmm. I mean like take a step back and remember why I'm having this conversation. I mean, how, how sad is it is it if we're like having these super bitter, terrible conversations in the name of like Christ, that we're you know, maligning and attacking fellow Christians and, and we're saying we're doing it for the sake of Christ. It's just yeah. it, it's like it's a, a, a terrible
0: irony. Right. I always like too, when I think about how I approach my theology, and I, I think of the gospel as being a, a super important source of authority. Cause it's, you know, the life and teaching of Jesus. And I always kind of say to people who are talking about women's issues or, or gay, gay marriage or gay rights, cause those are two issues I really care about. Um, you know, Jesus didn't really have a lot to say about gay people, nor did he say much about women besides having really close relationships with women and women being a part of his, his movement and ministry, uh, But he said a lot about certain things, right? Like about love, taking care of the poor and the marginalized. And he actually says probably a lot more about divorce than he does marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, you know, just seeing the culmination of uh, Jesus being that center of our circle, you know, what what did Jesus care about? And what was Jesus up to um, has always been something that weighs a little heavier for me. And, and my focus of my, um, theology and how I think about things going on in the world, um, then specific, you know, this issue is wrong, um, because X, Y, and Z, but right. more so of starting with the perspective, like of Jesus and his life and ministry, what starting there instead of those other circles that are far out, you know? Yeah. So,
1: and one thing, and I didn't talk about this in the book, but one thing that I also find helpful to keep in mind is is to make a distinction between Christian Christian as a a noun and a verb, or mm. not a noun and a verb, a noun and an adjective. And Brian John talks mm. about this, um, but essentially the idea is, you know, none of us is authorized at all to be saying who is and isn't a Christian in the sense of like, you know, mm-hmm. who's in a, a right and and hopefully progressing relationship with God. We can't make that call. Um, we can say whether or not something that they're saying or doing is Christian in the sense of being Christ like. Um and so I was writing an article recently where I, I made this distinction about it was about um the the Gina Haspel nomination um for CIA director and the question of her past involvement in torture. And so I was making the case of um, you know, I I I can't say someone who is fine with the use of torture isn't a Christian. I can say that, that supporting torture isn't Christ-like. Um, mm-hmm. that, that he right. doesn't support torture. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's helpful to keep that in mind alongside the concentric circle scheme and to remind myself that, um, you know, I'm often not Christ-like in my behavior and, and probably sometimes in my views as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that helps when debates are getting really bitter to, to provide a, a check for me to, to not just run out and say, oh, well, you disagreed. You're not a Christian. Right. You can't be involved. Cause that's, that's not the
0: case. Right. Right. I think that's super helpful and healthy <laughs> way to uh, engage with others. Um, well, which topic did you enjoy researching the most, and which which one were you particularly most passionate about when you wrote this book?
1: Um, probably my my single most um, passionate topic would be atonement theology. So, how does Jesus dying mm. mean that we can be saved? I wrote my master's thesis on that, um, and I think it has such important implications for what we think, especially God the Father is like. Um, so, I, I very much enjoyed that, and I always enjoy talking about and explaining that, especially because I think many Christians don't even necessarily realize that there are options on that. You know, I think something like women in ministry, we we sort of are aware, you know, there's a debate here, but um, atonement theology, I think many people don't even necessarily know that that there's any disagreement, that people have thought different things on this, because we sort of, well, we all agree that you're saved through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. and we do, but how that works is, is very much debated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually, I preached in Colorado. Um, I got to guest preach over the winter and that atonement was uh, the gospel reading um, in the lectionary that day. And I had to preach on atonement. So I, I got to do a bunch of research on that and I, Oh, atonement's tough. I I think it's a really, really tough one.
1: Um. Well, and especially because I think where we've been, and I don't know how long this has been going on, but we tend to be sort of lazy in how we talk about it in that we'll smash together a bunch of very different atonement theories and just like use the language of all of them at once without even really thinking about what that means. Um, mm-hmm. And it's especially bad in, in songs, um, hymns and more recent stuff, you know, they, they often present a, a atonement theology, like in the song and maybe from one verse to the next, it's not entirely consistent or from one song to the next, you know, you'll have on Easter Sunday, you sing three different songs and they're three different views of the atonement and they're like contradictory views of the atonement. Right. Really notices.
0: Yeah. That would be a fun, Project to compare <laughs> <laughs> just hymns and worship music, theology that's great, that would be great. Maybe your next book, you can do that. Maybe, <laughs> um, has, has this project challenged you or, or changed your beliefs in any way or reinforced them? Or,
1: yeah, I don't know about changed, um, it did make me notice that. Um, I tend to be pretty decisive. It did make me notice that on some things I'm um, a little less decisive uh, than I thought I was or would be. Um, and so the most obvious example of that I think would be um, on the, the sacrament verse ordinance debate um, for, for baptism and communion, you know, like, is this basically an, an object lesson that God gave us to help like, us remember and understand um, what's going on Mm -hmm. in our relationship to him? Or is it like, is, is a, something changing at a spiritual level, um, that God is actually doing in the moment as we do that ceremony. And there is, there are arguments on both sides that I find pretty compelling. Um, so I, I don't know that I have like a, a firm view on that. If, if, God, you know, did the classic skywriting thing that we all occasionally hope he would do. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like, Bonnie, it's the ordinance view. Or Bonnie, <laughs> the sacramental churches have it right. I think either way, I would just be like, okay, yeah, I can see that. I'm good with that.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so
1: yeah, that, that was a, something I, I didn't necessarily expect to notice.
0: Yeah, yeah. I appreciate your honesty uh, throughout the book. Cause there are some things um, like women's roles in the, in the church and society. You were like, this is my view. Okay. Like I, I see where these other arguments come from, but you know, women, women need to be equal in every aspect of church and life. Um, and then, like you said, there's these other ones where you're like, yeah, I could go either way. I don't, you know, it it's not really a, game changer, game breaker. Um if I, you know, how we think about this. And and like you said, that could be too right now in our political climate. We just don't care about baptism as much and what that looks like. We're not separating over that anymore. Um Yeah, which and, and it's interesting. It's hard to like say is that a, a positive
1: or negative development. Like on the one hand, right. obviously I'm glad we're not, you know, burning people at the stake over this anymore. On the other hand, um, and I'm I'm just as casual about it, so I, I don't exclude myself from this. But I'm I'm not sure that it's a good thing that we've become so so casual about it. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, and I don't. It's it's very difficult, I think, to strike a balance between saying like, um, you know, we're not going to hate each other and call each other heretics over this, but we're still going to, you know to tr- try to do our best to determine what's true and right and, you know, defend that conviction. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to reach that point. Um, yeah, that
0: yeah, I didn't, you know, I grew up as a mainline Protestant really in the Methodist church and we only had two sacraments that, um, <clears throat> which I believe are baptism and communion.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: And, um, then I go study Catholic theology and I'm like, whoa, there's like <laughs> a lot more sacraments. This is wild. Um,
1: well, and then the, the Eastern Orthodox where they have, I think the same list of seven as Catholicism, but then it's like, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of things can be sacramental. Absolutely. So, you know, can be sacramental. And so, yeah, just the, the range on that from like the, the Orthodox to the Catholic to like yeah. mainline to the, you know, at the other end, like low church, protestants it's it's really dramatic what a difference there is
0: it really is i mean it's funny because i'm episcopalian now which i think is a good happy medium between Mm -hmm. protestant and catholic that i've found to be a nice home for me but you know talking to my friends about their church experience at a huge non-denominational church where there's not even a cross in the sanctuary it's just a Mm -hmm. stage right with a big band and you feel like you're at a rock concert Mm -hmm um how different church can look and feel when I go into you know our sanctuary where there's incense and there's Mm -hmm. relics and there's stained glass windows and there's a baptismal font and colors to signify what you know right uh, church season we're in yeah and all these things and the vestments and I, I love all that stuff but um yeah, there's not one way to do church though. And I, and I know that and I'm okay with that. And I, I engage, uh, with church and faith in one way, but my friends maybe need the rock concert way and that's how they interact with God. And I don't think that's any less valid. Um, so I, I appreciate, you know, your, your book's called titled, a flexible faith. And I think to me, as I understand it, and your work is like being flexible in terms of like, we're all going to interact with the divine in different ways. And that's, that's okay. And to be flexible and to be gracious with one another. Um, And that, like I said, I keep saying this, but you're, you know, there's not just one way. And I I feel like that's what your book has called me to, to think about more, but um, I don't know. How would you sum up what you're trying to do with the flexible faith?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's good. And I mean, on so, you know, I, I would affirm, of course, in the sense of, like, following Jesus, that's just one way. But in terms of how we do that, there's right, right. So, so much variety. Um, and I think we, we lose something if we, if we don't know about that variety, and we, we lose opportunities to learn from other Christians who have, you know, figured out ways of doing things that maybe didn't crop up in our tradition, but maybe it's, something that we'd like to, to draw on or, or incorporate. Mm -hmm. Um, The title has been an interesting experience. Um, it it was not my original title and we went through many iterations of the title. Oh wow. uh, Before we came up with this one. And, uh, yeah, the word flexible has been a little bit like a Rorschach test where people have very differing reactions to it. Mm -hmm. Um, know, flexible can be a positive or negative thing. And so, um, Yeah, I I definitely mean it in the positive sense, Um, not not in the negative sense of being, you know, like unmoored and and not grounded in any truth or anything like that. Right, right. But in the sense of, yeah, Christianity has always had a lot of variations within it. Um, As soon as it started spreading around the Mediterranean basin, you know, you ended up with different ways of of doing church and different ways of following Jesus and, and disagreements about exactly what that should be like um and that that difference is something that i think we can um have as an, an asset um and something that we can learn to deal with productively and functionally or or at least more productively and functionally than we sometimes have in the past right right
0: well thank you bonnie this has been awesome is there anything else you want to add about the book um um Worthy. No,
1: I mean, you, you can buy it. It is available now and you can get in touch with me, um, at my website, which is just com, and that's spelled K R I S T I A N. Um, and then I'm on Twitter just at Bonnie Christian as well. Um, and I, you know, respond to messages and would love to talk to people in either place.
0: Thanks again, Bonnie, for joining us on the podcast this week. Now, y'all go out and buy her book and use it in your communities. It's an amazing discussion starter and a great guide to help dip lay people's toes into theological questions. And lastly, everyone, I finally started a Patreon page. Patreon is a website portal where creative folks like myself can host monetary donation sites, where listeners and supporters of the podcast um, can give to the podcast. You can pledge as little as $1 a month to the show in order to help me cover the costs it takes to keep the podcast going and allow me the freedom and resources to interview some badass ladies in theology and get to go to big events where some of these awesome women women are hanging out. So if you feel compelled to support us, please visit patreon.com and search for the Theosophia podcast. Thank y'all so much. I'll be back next week with Dean Emily Towns from Vanderbilt Divinity School. Have a great week, y'all. Peace we